defenses. Initiate bank protocol. Initiate bank protocol. Initiate bank protocol. Initiate bank protocol. All right, ladies and gentlemen, ladies and thems, uh, all folks of whatever feather you fly with. We are here with another episode of Bird Protocol. I am your host, Palm Reader. I'm Otis Morris, and we're we're about to get fucking, we're about to raid the empire. We're about to take over. You're going to be entertained, and if you're not, then check your pulse, because you're going to be dead. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, have you heard that what we do in life echoes in eternity? Uh, oh, so, you man. know, we're two, two wholesome white guys who made a podcast. Wonder what that will yes. bring us in Elysium. Um, <laughs> obviously if you don't get the, uh, the references, then, uh, uh I, I mean, you, you probably should have seen this movie. If you haven't seen this movie, what are you doing? Where are you? Have you been like locked up in a cage? Did you get your head chopped off? Were you eaten by a lion? What happened? Why have you not seen this movie? This is one of the most entertaining movies in the last 25 years. Yeah. Hands down. This Easily. movie is a slapper. Uh, we are obviously talking about uh, uh, one of the masters uh, of, of, uh, of directing uh, and, uh, and his famous uh, uh, Oscar-winning film, Gladiator. Uh, it's Ridley Scott's film, Gladiator. What year did that movie come out? Uh, uh, 2000. 2000, yes. Yeah. And uh, it still goes super hard. Uh, it is incredibly entertaining. It is, um, the production of it is, is uh, could be a movie of its own. Um, it's storied. It's aged well. It's uh, Russell Crowe probably at his peak. Um, Joaquin it Phoenix. Going yeah, it, going nuts. Yeah, going <laughs> he actually just be just the evilest, the precursor to many of Joaquin Phoenix's roles. This movie brought back an entire genre of sword and sandal shit that no one cared about for decades. Uh, it's uh, this yeah. movie revitalized Dudley Scott's career, made Russell Crowe a star. Like, dog. It just goes, like this, and it's entertaining, yeah. and it, it gets yeah. it gets the blood pumping. Yeah, a, there's a reason Ralph Cifaretto becomes obsessed with this movie in The Sopranos. I know you haven't seen The Sopranos, but there's a character in The Sopranos who there's a whole like season story arc of how obsessed he is with this movie. Like at least once an episode, he makes a reference to this movie. It's and now you know what. As I get older and older, I get it. This movie laps like yeah it's it slapped uh, when i was a teenager slaps now dude it's and it, and as as we've got like now that i've seen it many times and i come back to it every once in a while uh this time watching it i was really focusing on on some of the kind of cinematic aspects of it and mm -hmm. for a film that's you know t almost 23 years old visually it there's very little parts that don't work or that look like they've aged um mm -hmm. and uh you know you have a, a killer cast uh, uh of you know connie nelson uh oliver reed in his final role in his final role may he rest in peace he actually died during the filming of this movie which changed the in, script drastically 
and died in the wildest way possible. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like, Jim, yeah. We'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to yeah. that. Uh, uh, Jaimon Hansu, um, uh, Richard Harris, Tommy Flanagan, um, obviously Rush, Russell yeah. Crowe and Joaquin Phoenix. I mean, we uh, had fucking Dumbledore in this. It's like, it come goes. on, dog. And he, yeah. for some reason, like, he shouldn't be Caesar. Like, he doesn't look like he's in any way, shape, or form, like, Roman. Like, he no. looks like a white, like an old white dude who <laughs> lives in yeah. the woods. Like, he looks like a wizard, man. But, <laughs> but every time I think about uh, uh, this movie, I think about him because he's in it for such a short period of time, but he's so powerful. Um, and- yeah, I think that's also just the power of marcus aurelius himself like man's just a legendary man like that's what you're talking about right yes yes marcus yes, aurelius. Okay. yeah yes um yeah this this won five academy awards at the 73rd academy awards show including best picture and best actor for russell crowe um and uh yeah as otis said this film launched him into leading man status he had been in some films before in the 90s and was like a rising talent, especially LA Confidential, a couple other films. Um, but uh, or was that before or was that after? No, it was before. It was definitely what? before. Uh, LA Confidential, that was like, what, 96? Yeah, that was like, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Um, so he was a, a rising star. But this <laughs> this one, he just, he, both he and, I think this is where you can make your 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 allegory. But both he and and Joaquin Phoenix are just throwing fire this whole Mm -hmm. movie. And they are perfectly placed as kind of rivals and the antithesis of one another, uh, Mm -hmm. just at the core, their core principles and who they are. And they just do this dance with one another through the entire film that it like, it just works. You just want Russell Crowe's character to win you want mm-hmm. you want uh uh Joaquin Phoenix's character yeah. to die at his hands and mm-hmm. it just it just works it's like this perfect rivalry that pays off in like an amazing way uh and it just yeah just the whole thing it goes but yeah you had this analogy that you wanted you had sent to me uh which really sums it up for our our listeners who might remember wrestling like WWE but yeah, you said. I said, well, Maximus, the way he's like sort of his like rise and like you know he's kind of like an unlikely hero. He's essentially Stone Cold Steve Austin, and Commodus is Vince McMahon. Like Vince McMahon's through like through all the most like wild shit as Stone Cold, yet Stone Cold always somehow prevailed. You know, even with a bum knee, he comes through, kicks ass, crushes beers, takes names, goes home. You know. So Maximus is just essentially the same thing. It's just the sword and sandal version of Stone Cold Steve Austin, you know? Yeah, and he and, and even even with a pierced lung, he goes he goes hard at the end there. Um, oh yeah, yeah, and then like his whole like, are you not entertained? That's essentially just the fucking Austin three sixteen promo, dude. You know, <laughs> you have your palms three sixteen, you can have John three sixteen. Well, Austin three sixteen said, "I just whooped your ass." Yeah, like that's essentially the exact same speech. And then like, well, because he do, he uh, comes he comes out into the into the thing and murders like eight guys mm, in a row, like giant yeah. men. He just murders yeah. them, and then he goes. Are you not entertained? And then throws a sword at the rich people. 
Like, yeah, that's 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 Stone Cold Steve Austin just cleaning house at the King of the Ring, and then then him being like, "You are not entertained." That's just him going after Jake the Snake and giving him a fucking smashing. So like, yeah, dude, this is this is just the unlikely hero that never should have been that won the crowd over. Like, yeah, you know, like the Romans, they're not supposed to cheer for Maximus, but they end up fucking loving him more than they like their own Caesar. Like. You know, well, Vince it, McMahon never it, intended to be a villain, but one shit didn't go his way. He just kind of had to go into the villain role. And that's what, Com- well, Commodus is more of a villain. He's, he's like, I mean, in the story, he kills his own father. That never actually happened in real life, supposedly. No. But we'll get into fidelity a little bit later, talking yeah. Ridley Scott. <laughs> um, uh, but, uh, uh, you know, this movie is just like, if you haven't seen it, you've got to watch it. It's oh, it's dude. one to just buy it even like just go on Apple TV or Amazon or whatever just buy it. It's a great yeah. film. It's insanely rewatchable, and it's both Otis and I on rewatching it. We're messaging each other like this goes so unbelievably hard. Like it, it's it, the entire time that you were watching it today and I was watching it yesterday. We were both yeah. texting each other, being like Ridley Scott could make a could could make a a beautiful violent uh bloodbath poetry out of any period or anything just, you just give let him let him let him cook you know like, just give him a specific time era like a period of time and just be like okay so here's some wild shit that happened there and he'll he'll come out with a fucking two-hour epic that you're going to be like oh fuck yeah that fucking was awesome yeah like that's the thing ridley scott is so goddamn consistent even his bad movies are entertaining that's the thing is he's he's entertaining he knows how to entertain like this is what we were talking about uh yesterday um having a back and forth in our text text uh conversation about Hmm. how ridley scott um even his kind of like mid movies they age really well and they're and they're entertaining um mm-hmm. some of them not so much uh exodus god and gods and kings while entertaining i don't think his age super well but then certain mm-hmm. films like prometheus i think is having an extended life because people got over the fact that there's no xenomorph in it and now people are seeing it for like it's grand hard sci-fi themes about you know mm-hmm. cr- creation and death and meeting your own creator and living forever and you know, all the stuff that that was uh, really cool about that movie. And I've always been on the Prometheus train since I've seen it, uh, since I first saw it, sorry. Um, uh, But now people are kind of realizing, wow, this is actually like pretty entertaining and pretty dope. But he, I mean, let's talk about Ridley Scott for a minute. Let's, let's just look at his, his filmography and, and, and let's just name some of these off and you're, and it's just, it's insane. Okay. So he starts with the Duelists, which I haven't seen, but I've heard is really seen good. Either. Then he follows that up with Alien, one of my all time favorite movies, which we will uh-huh. do on the podcast. Then he follows yeah. Alien with a little film called Blade Runner. Uh, hey, I don't know if you heard about this, but uh, Blade Runner kind of revolutionized an entire fucking genre. <laughs> yeah. Well, I <laughs> like, would say Alien to Blade Runner is like, uh, you know, it, him and J- James Cameron are very similar in the sense Um, that like they just like take they just innovate you know 
Yeah, and, and no, no. Ridley Scott's going back to back, back, back to back to with back. this one, and then he has yeah. Legend, which is uh, kind sick. of underrated. It's sick. Well, he, Ridley Scott made a good point in his interview with Mark Marin that Legend is essentially the formula that Disney has been using for the last twenty years for every move, like every fantasy movie they make. Like Legend is more or less like the proto like Disney epic sort of thing, like modern Disney epic, like, cause he has a young, relatively unknown Tom Cruise who, you know, becomes a fucking superstar. It's just a visual effects masterpiece. You have Tim Curry as fucking Satan, like mind boggling, dude, just yeah. an absolute madman movie. So just then he sick. goes, so then he goes someone to watch over me, which I haven't seen no. black rain, Thelma and Louise, which was a huge Banger. hit. Banger. Banger. 19 mm-hmm. or 1492 Conquest of Paradise. I haven't Beautiful seen Beautiful movie. I haven't seen but it. Um, it's, it. Well, it's Christopher Columbus movie. As, you know, as we'll say, it's a historically inaccurate as fuck. But, you know, that's Ridley Scott. He doesn't care. He's here to entertain. He's not here to educate you. Yeah. And you'll, as we'll talk further about <laughs> we'll that. Talk, but, yeah, we'll talk yeah. further about that. <laughs> then he does a, a movie that not a lot of people have seen, but I had at my cottage for some reason, and I had no idea that he directed. The next two films, I had no idea that he directed. Um, White Squall with Jeff Bridges. It's about a, mm-hmm. it's about these kids uh, and their, their sailing teacher go out and they get caught in this huge storm, and it's pretty yep. good. I mean, it's entertaining. Yep. Uh, then he follows that with a film called G.I. Jane, which I had no idea that he directed. None I didn't whatsoever. know he did that either. And that blows my mind. And yeah. G.I. Jane, eh, eh, mm. sorry. Yeah. Eh. But then yeah. he comes out with Gladiator. Goes hard. Goes absolutely hard. And then in 2001, he puts out Hannibal and Black Hawk Down. Black Hawk Down, severely underrated. Um <laughs> Yeah, well, I talked about that a couple of weeks ago, how Black Hawk Down is essentially th- that movie, again, Ridley Scott being ahead of his time, influencing an entire genre. Without Black Hawk Down, you don't get American Sniper. You don't get the fucking, uh, what's the Jeremy Renner one? Uh, the Hurt Locker. You don't get, like, any of the Middle East movies. Like, Black, I would say Black Hawk, yeah, Black Hawk Down is probably, like, one of the better modern American conflict, like, war movies. And, like, the way it's shot is undeniably and also the multiple influence the, an entire yeah, genre. The, like, the, and also the multiple use of multiple narratives. Yeah. Um, the wide ensemble cast uh, having multiple kind of lines yeah. of plot happening at the same time. like Oh, oh yeah, Jarhead. Areas. Without Black Hawk Down, there's no Jarhead. Like, yeah. Yeah. There's so many movies that movie directly influenced. Uh, then he does Matchstick Men, uh, which underrated. was a black comedy, comedy and very underrated. And actually, I think one of Nicolas Cage's best performances. Sam Rockwell as well. Yeah, when he's like, oh, have you ever been bold to the to the sidewalk and beat so hard you piss blood? <laughs> uh, what a what a movie. Um, and then he, he puts out a, a film called Kingdom of Heaven, which the, the, the studio heavily changed in mm-hmm. certain parts. as they do with a lot of his movies yes. like people i think studios get it now that just let the man fucking do what he wants okay if he hands you a three-hour movie put it out okay yeah. don't fuck with it <laughs> um but i will say if you can access the kingdom of heaven extended cut the director's cut of kingdom of heaven it is one of my favorite yeah period piece oh, sword and sandal films like it's awesome it's so mm-hmm. good they just cut out they cut out a lot of like certain aspects of the story and certain mm-hmm. relationships 
and they changed a bit of the the, the I think the ending or and, mm-hmm. and in the beginning they made some changes and a lot of the like main bulk of the movie is the same. It just doesn't have the same emotional kind of overture that you get with the the extended version that explains a little bit more and kind of gives depth to the characters. So I I really like Kingdom of Heaven, uh, the extended cut. Because- I actually think at this point the director's like extended cut is more accessible than the studio version. Like I think it's they basically like at my work at least like I see the extended like director's cut all the time, but you never see like the studio cut. So I think they they came around on that one for sure. Yeah. Then he does a good year, which I haven't seen, um, but follows that with another absolute banger. American gangster Denzel and Russell Crowe going Dude. back to back. Denzel <laughs> as Frank Lucas may be like there's so many classic Denzel roles like Training Day, fucking Antoine Fisher. Like there's a lot, but like this one, like him. Oh, dude, this movie's so goddamn good. Like I think I, I watch. <laughs> American Gangster once a year. It oh, is yeah, one of my too. favorite gangster movies ever. And then and then you, you have like I would say as far as like hard Denzel performances, there's three at the top. There's him as Frank Lucas, there's him as uh, Creasy in Man on Fire. Oh yeah. Uh, and then Definitely. there's him as the equalizer in the first film. Yeah. If those three men ever formed some kind of like combat team, it would be over. Yeah. There'd be nothing you can do. Um, oh my god just the denzel trio like this is just a fucking trios tag team dude yeah that's that's a smash factory right there yeah and then and then he has body of lies which i think is actually quite underrated yes i love that movie dude leo and russell crowe fat russell crowe which i must say hilarious i love (laughs) this is when russell crowe is going through heavyweight fluctuations yeah (laughs) Uh, then follows that afterwards in 2010 with Robin Hood, which fun. is not it's it's not necessarily the greatest film, but it's fun. It's another mm-hmm. sword and sandal uh, 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 period piece, a retelling of the Robin Hood story uh, with, you know, Russell Co- Crowe and Kate Blanchett and uh, mm-hmm. and a coterie of other fun characters. Mark Strong. um just a is that who it is mark strong am i am i right am i or am i am i getting uh, killed let me hold on let me look it up because i'll see i'm gonna see right here Robin uh, I believe yeah correct. mark strong oscar isaac is in it uh max von Sydow is in it um uh, william hurt is in it uh it's it's just it's a fun sword and sandal flick um and it's entertaining then he does prometheus which uh which to me i think is an excellent sci-fi film the counselor which i ha- actually haven't seen um it's fun like it kind of like almost it maybe maybe probably worked better as a uh tony scott film but if this was the film that ridley scott was working on when tony scott passed away unfortunately rest in peace that's another king talked about him in the emerson episode about yeah. true romance which is tony scott like just such a talented family that these they produce two of the best uh, anyway uh yeah no the counselor it's a fun movie i don't know it's got it's got a sick cast but like i don't know if you if you like ridley scott movies te- check it out like yes yeah. then we have exodus gods and kings which is a kind of contentious film because it's a bio a biblical epic uh based on the story of moses um but 
it's a bunch of like white guys in in kind of like yeah. Egyptian makeup, and it it just there's there's parts of it that are really fun. I just kind of am like, do we really need to have like another chariot fight in like biblical times and and all this stuff? But there's some cool like his telling of the seven plagues and uh, and certain aspects of the story, and of course Christian Bale and Joel Edgerton. John Turturro, Aaron Paul, Ben Mendelsohn, Sigourney yeah. Weaver, like it's a stacked cast, but it at by 2014, like we're getting out of the uh, cast white guys in 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 roles of yeah. people of color. And, and I just, mean, like at this time, at this same year, we also like Noah came out at the exact same time, like the Darren Aronofsky movie starring Russell Crowe, like came out. So you know, I think at this time when these two movies came out, I think that's. Both people are like, okay, we're kind of sick with the the white Bible stories. We can kind of chill yeah. on this for a while. But he bounces back with The Martian, which is incredible. Uh, one of uh, like I will watch that movie any day. Incredible movie, movie. is hilarious. Like, yeah, so funny. It has no right being as funny as it is. Which I would also argue about the last duel. The last duel is the best comedy of last year, probably. Like, so funny. Um, he follows the Martian with Alien Covenant, which, uh, you know, that's another one where I kind of feel it's middling. Of course, I love the Xenomorph. Show mm -hmm. me more. But I, I, I also was was feeling a little bit like um, the changes to the script and the studio reworkings that they wanted to do and taking one movie and turning it into two uh, mm -hmm. and all the stuff that they did. Um, I, I really feel like uh, it kind of diluted it. Uh, there's mm -hmm. some really fun stuff in it. And like I said, allow a xenomorph to kill and I will enjoy. Um, at least on my base lizard brain will enjoy it. I'll be like, yes, <laughs> yes. But like, I know that it's a flawed film, um, but it's still enjoyable. It's still it's still fun to watch. Um, All the money in the world. Another one that I haven't seen. There was some uh, um some issues around it was that around the time that they had to well remove? yeah well we've got to say shout out to ridley scott for just being a fucking g so all the money in the world was being it was in it was about to be released like it was in advertising they're advertising it as with kevin spacey as one of the leads and then that's when it came out that kevin spacey's a little kid diddler and nobody's really about that shit and ridley scott's like well i have this you know hundred million dollar movie that's ready to be released and he's one of the fucking stars so what am i gonna do shelf the movie nah fuck him get rid of him we're cutting him we're gonna reshoot all of his scenes fuck kevin spacey and for that he is ridley scott's an absolute g for just being so quick on the draw to say fuck this guy yeah. which we'll talk about later about some other people as well so. <laughs> uh, and then he doesn't make any films for a couple of years and then last year he releases The Last Duel which I really enjoyed I just recently watched so it and I, I really enjoyed The Last so Duel good. and uh, House of Gucci which I haven't watched but I hear it is quite uh, it is funny hilarious as yes. well um, and then yeah. coming up next we have Napoleon starring Joaquin Phoenix they've reunited uh, and it's coming out on Apple TV and then after that I don't it, it's I think it's being confirmed because they've talked about it and a script is made, but a sequel to Gladiator yes, starring yes. Set, built around Lucius, the son of 
of um Commodus? Uh no, it's not Commodus' no, son. No, oh, it's Commodus' uh, sister. Yeah, it's the sister's son who uh, who uh loves who who comes to love uh and what was and her name. It was uh, oh, Lucilla. Lucilla. Um, I, don't, I, don't, I forget. I forget her name, but yeah. Yes, we can find right here. Yeah, Lucilla and her son Lucius who is uh who becomes uh, enamored with uh Maximus the Spaniard and uh and and is pr- kind of protective over him and doesn't want him to die sees him as a hero figure. And so there is a script that's made and apparently that's the next film is Gladiator 2, whatever it's going to be called. I hope they don't call it Gladiator 2. I hope it has its own name and it's just a kind of a story about you know whatever however they want to tell that story but apparently the actor who played uh um uh, lucius uh spencer treat clark has been uh uh, uh kind of uh, his stock has been going up he's been pulling some really good performances which is what helped bring this out of kind of production hell and it will be i think his first no i guess alien covenant and prometheus are technically sequels but um uh, yeah. and to alien but it will be uh kind of he doesn't do a lot of sequels so it'll be interesting to yeah. see what what he does with the film i hope that it does get time i mean he's 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 like 80 something man uh, he's he's gonna be like uh like clint eastwood they're gonna literally have to tell him you can't come to work anymore because yeah. that's what they did to clint eastwood this year they barred him from being on the studio they were like, you got yeah, well, I mean, to stop making movies, man. You're 90 something. Well, like. Yeah, well, it's hard, you know, for insurance purposes as well. Like, I mean, at the end of Robert Altman's life, they had to have, he essentially had Paul Thomas Anderson has his backup director in case he croaks in the middle of a fucking production. Yeah. <laughs> so, which would have been perfect because Paul Thomas Anderson's entire style is just emulating Robert Altman. So, like, but like I don't know, like who, who who would be like who's the closest Ridley Scott like we have like Denis Villeneuve like I don't know. even his movies are like a little too slow for like Ridley Scott's taste and I really only say that because he did so well with um uh, Blade Runner did you, and also fun fact I actually just read this if you go on Wikipedia there's like a page with like a hundred movies of unrealized Ridley Scott projects. Apparently in the eighties, he was trying to do Dune as well. So Ridley Scott's Dune would have been fucking sick as well. Probably like, and and of course uh, he also has been a producer, executive producer yep. on many, many films. Um, he was a developer on a bunch of television shows, producer on television shows, executive producer on a bunch of television shows. Um, he also shot, in the 90s 70s 80s and 2000s he shot uh commercials he was a commercial director like this guy obviously obviously just loves making movies and he knows exactly what type of movies he likes to make he has a very very um visible and understandable director's directorial voice and Mm -hmm. vision you can tell all of these movies are ridley scott movies um, he kind of plays fast and loose with with historical accuracy, but yeah. he puts the energy that he would put into historical accuracy into making things that are entertaining, mm-hmm. um, like the and and he picks out really interesting stories to adapt, like The Martian, uh, or or Gladi- even Gladiator is an adaptation of a book um, yeah. uh, called uh, Those About to Die 
from 1958, Daniel P. Mannix book. Um, mm-hmm. It was formerly titled, titled The Way of the Gladiator. Um, yeah, a yeah. lot of his movies are adaptations. Like Black Hawk Down's, I'm pretty sure, an adaptation of a book that's about that whole situation in Africa. Uh, the Last Duel is based on a book. Uh, like, yeah, he... he like, but like I got Alien and Blade Runner are original works. Um, but I think recently he just tries to find good stuff that he knows he can, you know, turn into entertainment because well, he's a very visual guy. Like he storyboards all of his movies start to finish. Like he knows exactly what he wants, which then also means a lot of his movies usually come in a couple million dollars under budget because he doesn't fuck around. He knows exactly what he wants. And he also usually comes in, you know, so under budget and he usually gets his films done very quickly. And, you know, he's efficient as fuck. The dude knows how to make a movie. He has so many camera men on set. He himself still holds a camera in some of his movies. He was a camera operator on Gladiator. And if you watch the uh, behind the scenes on the DVD, he's in there, like in the sand with a camera on his fucking shoulder. Like, this dude loves making movies, dude. Like he loves yes. the art. And so I think that we'll cap our Ridley Scott talk there because we have had discussions on, on some things we want to do next year. Uh, mm-hmm. Some more series and such where we would, we might talk a little bit more about uh, specific directors or specific genres, things like that. So just, we're trying to keep it interesting. Yeah. Uh, and so we'll, we'll cap it at that at saying Ridley Scott, he's consistent He obviously has a very clear auteurist voice and directorial Mm -hmm. style and vision. He loves the art of of cinema, and uh, and he makes entertaining movies. Even his middle ground movies, there's still beautiful shots, Mm -hmm. beautiful action sequences, and and they uh, are entertaining. Um, yeah. You know, Alien like, Co- Covenant is not an amazing movie, but the scene with the two Michael Fassbenders is like mm-hmm. dynamite cinema. Like it's it's Absolutely. unbelievable. And so you you know, even in his like middle ground stuff, there's stuff where it's like, well, this is masterclass filmmaking. <laughs> you know, like- yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, in Gladiator, you see the whole thing like in the action sequence where he uses the sl- the slow mo where he just like brings like he slows down the frames for just like one shot of like somebody getting slashed like that style has like you see that everywhere you see that in every sword movie now like where a guy gets slashed across the chest and it's just slow-mos for just a second and like it seems unnatural in a lot where a lot of people do it but like ridley scott fucking fathered that guy like he that's ridley scott like yeah uh, and he also he also i will say he also has uh an impeccable eye for for um hiring really good costume directors for his like mm-hmm. sword and sandal stuff maybe not so much in Exodus God and Kings but that his like uh Maximus's uh helmet yeah in this movie and his yeah. like his chest carrot his his chest armor with the horses yeah and dude the helmet on the guy that he's fighting against when they fucking let the the tigers out and shit like that dude's helmet's gnarly like there's so many helmets in this and like armor sets in this 
movie yeah, that like I wish were armor sets in like For Honor or like Elden Ring or like a, ga- a sword and sandal game of some kind. Like yeah, it's he, badass. I, I like that you brought up that dude, the big giant hulking Germanic dude who, who yeah. for those who are about to die, we salute you. Um, yeah. I, I love his mask. I call it the Little Wayne mask because he's got the teardrop. <laughs> and so, yeah, this dude's with like a boar head on his like, yeah. like boar helmet. Like, there's it's, some wild outfits. Like, in this and movie. even in like Kingdom of Heaven, the, 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 uh, whoever that is, the emperor or whoever it is when mm-hmm. he goes to visit him, and he's wearing like an all white and gold chainmail with like a weird mask on his face. And, and this like silver drapery all over him, and he looks just insane because he has leprosy, but he just looks like wild. He looks like an alien. It's so sick. Um, anyway, yes, Ridley Scott, banger. Shout out Ridley Scott, 85 years old, you to man. Now let's yeah. get to some brutalization. Uh, Aww. and let's uh let's talk about the film. I'm gonna try yeah, and break down I mean, the plot quickly. The, the so, plots quickly. I can say the plot in less than 10 seconds but i want to highlight a couple parts of the film yeah. just because there's some really rewatchable scenes and like cool stuff. oh no for sure that's so, the thing is that this movie's all about like scenes and like sequences because when you boil down the plot it's just a simple revenge story that's all it is it's yeah. all it's very simple and but like it's so much more complex than that because you know just the character of maximus he has like like he's such just a strong character like you yeah there's nothing there's like this whole movie is built around like he's like he's john wick of like rome essentially yeah. this is rome roman john wick is what this movie is yeah so so the movie opens in 18 or in 180 ad um uh with uh the roman general maximus decimus meridius uh and he is leading a roman army uh for the caesar marcus aurelius in uh in near vindabona in in uh, uh in the germanic area and uh and he leads the roman armor uh, army to victory using a kind of pincer move where they uh draw the the german horde out of the woods uh in towards them in fighting and then they appear from behind them on horseback and they just like murder them all. Um, and it's a, it's a very uh, compared to the rest of the film. It's a lot of blue hues. There's snow falling. Uh, it's a, it's a very different feeling, uh, but it opens with this big set piece, this big, very violent uh, clash um, that is actually like, it kind of sets the tone for the rest of the movie because, you know, people are getting beheaded and there's <laughs> uh giant balls of uh of of fire being shot by catapults yep. and um there's arrows going left and right yeah like and uh every and which it, way but loose and it's uh it's it's uh quite energetic there's a really great scene a slow-mo scene of the when the horse horsemen the cavalry arrive from behind the germanic where the tribe uh the germanic warriors when they're facing the romans on the on the battlefield they arrive through the fire that was caused by their arrows and these uh, catapults and stuff like that. And uh, Maximus has a dog that I guess this is like his war dog and the dog jumps through the fire and then he comes through behind it on the horse and it's all in slow-mo and you're like, yeah, this guy's here to rock. Let's go. And, uh, and rock he does. They rock their way all the way to a uh, win 
and uh, and Marcus Aurelius arrives, and uh, and and he gives uh, or gives Maximus his flowers. Uh, says that the men support you and they're here for you and they all cheer for him and and uh, and his uh, his son Commodus and uh, and his daughter Lucillus arrive. They're having a, like a celebration now that they've they've won their campaign. They beat the Germanic tribes. Um, and he also uh, uh, Marcus Aurelius at this time brings uh, Commodus or sorry brings Maximus Russell Crowe's character into his tent and says, look, I know you want to go home and see your wife and kids. You've done all this great work for me, but I can't let my son Commodus be the emperor. He is not a moral person. He will allow Rome to fall apart even more. And uh, I I love the line that Marcus Aurelius says. He says, you know, there was an idea of Rome, but people could only Mm -hmm. whisper it because it was so beautiful and then he says, come, let us sit as men and let, let's whisper. And I just, yeah. I love that line, the reading of that line and the way that it comes across. And he says, look, man, I know you don't want to be, or Maximus says, I, I don't want to be the emperor because, uh, well, I should say Marcus Aurelius says, I want you, your last duty yeah. is that you are going to be the protector of Rome. You're going to be the Caesar until you can hand over the command of Rome to the Senate and it will mm-hmm. become a republic. And he doesn't... I mean... Oh, go, go ahead. ahead. Sorry. Oh, oh, no. Well, Marcus Aurelius, like, he s- spoke so highly of Maximus. And this is legit. Like, these these are real people that actually existed. You can go and read the Meditations, which is 12 books. And by books, I mean, they're like a couple pages each. So there's 12 of them, you know. So chapters, more or less. Not literal books, but... Uh, in the very first book of Meditations by Marcus Aurelius, this is how he describes Maximus. Like, from Maximus, I learned self-government and not to be led aside by anything and cheerfulness in all circumstances as well as in illness and just admixture in the moral character of sweetness and dignity and to do what was set before me without complaining. Like, he just described, like, the most badass dude. Like, Maximus was just a real one. Yeah. And, like, Marcus Aurelius is his mentor and he is in awe of his student. Like that's how highly he thought of Maximus. Like he thought Maximus could have led Rome to so much greatness. Yes. It's, uh, it's un- insane. Unfortunately, Commodus, uh, when, when um, Maximus says, I need a bit of time to think about it, but he's obviously about to agree to it. And take the uh, take this role that's given to him by the Caesar, uh, and uh, and and he's kind of preparing himself to take the to say yes, but it weighs heavy on him because he wants to return to his farm, his wife, his eight year old son, um, and uh, Marcus Aurelius goes to tell um, Commodus his son, who believes that he is next in line to inherit the. Uh, the the caesar title and to become ruler of rome and uh, commodus pretty much tells him you never loved me you didn't hug me you didn't tell me i was good you sent me all these lists of 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 principles that someone should have and i have none of them and you know uh but i have other other principles i i have ambition i want to rule and then commodus strangles his own father um now, uh, I should say, 
that never happened. Yeah, that never uh, happened. That was Marcus started. Aurelius just died. He yeah. got sick and died. However, you know, Ridley Scott seeing a chance to make Commodus the most unlikable character at ever. That's just good yeah. story writing. That's good entertainment. Because guess what? You fucking hate Commodus this entire movie. Oh, yeah, you and do. you wish Marcus Aurelius came back to life and gave this fucking little boy a shit kicking. Like, yeah. you want, this is the only time I support child abuse. Yeah. Is Marcus Aurelius slapping the shit out of his son. <laughs> uh, yeah, Joaquin Phoenix absolutely decimates in this role. Um, and And he, you know... I think this is like one of the movies where people were like, oh, this guy, oh, this guy, mm -hmm. this guy's gonna, he's, he's got it, you know? Yeah. Because you hate him the whole time. You just yeah. absolutely can't stand this little freak. Um, anyway, Commodus proclaims himself the new emperor, uh, stating that, that um, uh, Marcus Aurelius has died in his sleep. Uh, but Maximus, he kind of figures out what's going on because he sees uh uh lucilla who looks uh kind of uh disgustingly at at her brother commodus and maximus says i won't do it for you i'm not interested i was only interested in doing it for your father and uh and then he maximus is arrested by the praetorian guard and uh and told that he will be executed uh for failing to be loyal to commodus and I'm pretty sure Commodus knows what that Maximus was the favored one to take mm -hmm. over. Um, and he so, was just universally liked. Like everybody knew that he was the de facto leader of like the Roman army. Like, yeah, all and, the soldiers knew. They're like, yeah, if it's if it's not Aurelius, it's fucking it, it's Maximus. Like, come on, like you can't you can't bring this little baby faced bitch in here and tell us what to do. Like, <laughs> and uh, and so they take him. Uh, they tell him to take the the Praetorian, or he tells the Praetorian guard to take Maximus, uh, in and go ride far away until first light of the morning, and then execute him there, uh, and do it quietly so the army doesn't know what's going on, and uh, and uh, and then he tells Maximus that his wife and kids will meet him in uh, in the afterlife and that they will die as well. Um, they take the Praetorian guard, take him uh, out into the woods. But of course, Maximus being Maximus, just an absolute like freak show, killer man, uh, warrior, uh, uh, just, you know, mad as hell. He, he, he tricks them, he Amps. gets them, he, he, he kills them all and he escapes and he rides on horseback for days to reach his farm, uh, and save his family before, the Praetorian Guard arrive and murder them. We are then given a scene uh, which I forgot how absolutely brutal. I don't know how he did that shot where the kid gets hit by the horse, but that oh, was yeah, dude, nasty, yeah. dude. I was like, oh my god, the the the, the I forgot the, about that. Yeah, yeah. you get wrecked. Yeah, oh the son god. and the and the mother are playing on the farm, and they see Roman soldiers approaching, and the son thinking that it is his father returning, runs out onto the pathway uh, to greet them, happily shouting, Papa, Papa. And then the horses just barrel right into him. And I don't know how they did that shot, but the kid just gets absolutely mangled. And then yeah. the, and then the, they descend upon horrifying. the wife. And then later we see 
as Maximus arrives, but he is too late. His farmland has been burnt. His son and wife, uh, his son has been crucified. Um, his yeah, just real horrific stuff. Yeah, and, and it um, looks like they were also like burned too, because yeah. like their feet are all like it's all charred and stuff. And like, because you, it only shows the feet like just dangling, and you're just like, fuck, god damn, because you know, you know, if Maximus made it in time, those Praetorian guards were done. Like they don't stand a chance. This dude. Yeah, he's just John Wick with a sword, dude. He would have wrecked all of them. He would have wrecked them and their entire family. So they're so lucky that he yeah. showed and, up and too he, late. And so he buries them, and then he collapses from his injuries, and he's found by a traveling group of slavers uh, led by Proximo, uh, who, which is uh, 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 Oliver Reed's final role, Antonius Proximo, a, f- a former gladiator turned mm-hmm. slaver. Um, well, I guess he doesn't. He doesn't lead them yet. He gets. They get picked up by random slavers. And yeah, he gets yeah. taken to the city of of uh, Zuckabar, uh, and when he arrives there, that's where Proximo lives, and he hire he buys them, uh, and becomes the leader of these slaves that were brought there, and mm-hmm. tells them that they will become gladiators and begins training them. Yeah. Um, the wildest, the like gladiator draft that they have, where they're giving them numbers is wild because the scene opens with one training gladiator just getting absolutely wrecked by like a spear or something just yeah. murdered and you're like what is going on and they're just practicing and the dude just murders another dude you're like what yeah and then they're well they're- like the expectation is that these guys are more or less just fodder for whatever you know whoever their champion is at this time like no one's expecting maximus or any of these guys to become the all-stars of the arena that they become Yes. Uh, and so they in during this training session, um, uh, Maximus refuses to fight. Uh, he does not want to practice or do anything. Uh, we're also introduced um, when he is picked up to Juba, who is uh, Jaimon Hanso's character. Jaimon Hanso? Hansu? I'm sorry if I'm saying I don't know how to pronounce it. Um, it's his, he is a uh, an African man who is a slave. He is also a gladiator. We're introduced to Hagen, a giant Germanic man who uh, is a, 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 a beast of a fighter as well. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, and then we get to know, uh, we get to see our first gladiator fight, which uh, which in which beforehand um, Proximo he says, you know, that this is like a highest form that that you're all dead men, but you get to choose when you die. But depending on how hard you fight, you know, he says the the thrust this sword into the flesh of a man and you have learned to uh, enough times you will learn to love it and they will love you for it. You know, and he's like telling him, hyping him up. But obviously some of these guys are terrified. One of the guys pees himself in the like waiting tunnel before they get released out there. They get released Weak. out into the uh, into the, the crowd and all of a sudden Maximus. He shows his prowess. He and Juba are just like Merkin dudes. Hagen uh, lifts a guy and puts him onto a spike that's coming out of the wall. They just, they, they, they fight. They, it's a very violent fight, but it, you realize how talented Maximus is. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it's, it's the, you, your blood gets pumping, man. It's really you're like, Oh, hell yeah. And then, uh, and then we see Maximus gaining in popularity, winning, 
a fight single-handedly against eight different gladiators and doing mm-hmm. his famous, are you not entertained? Is this not what yeah. you came for scene? Uh, and, uh, well, and, oh, go ahead. I, can I just, I just want to talk on that for like just a moment, just because we've talked about this a lot in like previous episodes of like violence as like spectacle, which like is what exactly this movie is commenting on is like, especially like in Romans, like this was entertaining. Like we're just going to watch a dude get eaten by a tiger. Like, hell yeah. Six Saturday evening. Like what the fuck? Like that's insane. Like, and like this whole stuff, like, even though, you know, I made the, you know, sort of comical allegory of it being like stone cold and Vince McMahon and WWF WWE stuff. Like this is the precursor to WWE. Like without the fucking Coliseum, like, you don't get professional boxing. You don't get UFC. You don't get wrestling. Like, because the most primordial, like, form of entertainment is just man itself and what man versus man can do. Like, it's... Yeah. No, 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 that not... is in our, like, genetics to be, like, enthralled by that. Like, it's, like, it's a primal urge to, like, want to watch people beat each other like it's fucked up but and, like and putting this is where it comes from <laughs> putting putting maximus as a character who made his life who cut his teeth and eventually rose to being general maximus decimus meridius mm-hmm. of a leader Just of the, the hardest name yeah, ever leader of the roman army yeah. and then he goes to being a slave and he has to reckon with the idea that the only way that he can get to where he needs to go is through more violence, which he was done Dude, with. This is like if LeBron went to like D league in Yugoslavia, this is what's going on here. He's just, he's just dunking on yeah, fools. Yeah. And one thing, one thing that, w- that I will point out here though, is that um, this movie paints, paints it that like, Oh, all of these gladiators are like, you know, that, that they, that they were always murdering each other and that it was always to the death and all that stuff. In reality, um, gladiators were athletes and Mm -hmm. a lot of times it wasn't to the death. A lot of gladiators lived long and healthy lives. They were kind of celebrities. Um, They also endorsed products. Like they were spokespeople. They were advertisers, which is a thing they cut out is that the gladiator, they would literally go out there on like a soapbox and try to sell products and Ridley Scott, they were going to include that, but then he was like, no one would believe this. People would think this is historically inaccurate, which like sometimes like truth is stranger than fiction. The best example I always think of is in the movie public enemies, John Dillinger in one of his escapes from prison, he literally just painted like a doorstopper black and pretended it was a gun and he escaped from prison. They shot that scene, and then test audiences are like, "That's unrealistic. Like that would never happen." John Dillinger literally did that. Yeah. So like sometimes like shit is just so unbelievable, even though it is. So like honestly, fidelity in movies, honest, like sometimes it doesn't fucking matter if you're just sticking to it. And then like, what would be the point of that, including that as well, just to have a dude like selling products? Like I yeah. guess. Well, they have. They I guess have, you could. I guess it could make. Sorry, I guess it could make a point of how. Uh, I guess. Uh, in or fuck. Now I lost the word. Uh, just, fuck. Just kind of how dumb 
like the viewers are and like yeah, the, you know the, same way people just dumbly watch entertainment mindlessly yeah, I it's, guess it's, I think I think that one of the things is that it's it's for the benefit of the story because the story is this general who becomes a slave who becomes uh loved by the the crowd more than the 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 Caesar and mm-hmm. I think that that's like a major point in the story it's the major counterpoint like it's it's one of the point things that the linchpins um on which uh the rivalry between commodus and and uh and maximus kind of like stands you know because they're so different and and commodus is or uh, is such a weasel and so evil and so immoral whereas maximus is kind of like this stand-in for the true glory of rome and a, and the ideal Roman warrior and Roman person who wanted to put violence behind him and live with his family and saw the dream of Rome as as a, a white light that that was inherently good and all this stuff you know what I mean like there's they're, they're, yeah. they're, they are uh, playing off of each other and then to lean too far into the well you know the popular gladiators were more like popular basketball players. Yeah. It, you know what I mean? Like people wouldn't want like if you if you were the person who uh, handled the glad you had many gladiators who are very famous, you would not want yeah. your really famous gladiator to be killed because yeah, no. because you would have advertisers, you would have fans, you have all these people. Now, of course, did it happen? Yes, this was yeah. a very violent time, but I don't think yeah. the movie paints it as uh, honestly as it was for sake of telling this story of this rivalry and this kind of conflict between the two characters core principles and who they are yeah um, i mean at the core it's a revenge story because commodus killed his wife and kid yeah so you know there's no need to sugarcoat it with you know historical commercials more or yeah. less like and they, it they doesn't all, fit the mood and they also like you know we we you do get at this point um Proximo reveals to Maximus that he was once a gladiator who was freed by Marcus Aurelius and advises him to win the crowd, to win his freedom, which is another thing that did happen. Gladiators who won the crowd, who were uh, super famous, they were allowed to live comfortably for the rest of their life. There were plenty of gladiators who did their duty. And yes, there were gladiators who were slaves. Yes, there were, you know, it's not Mm -hmm. all wrong, but it's just... You know, it's it's painted a certain way in this film to fit the narrative, which is, I guess, fine in this instance because it's so good. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And you're right. Nobody really wanted to see, you know, uh, 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 Hagen get up on a on a soapbox and say, Romans, buy this new type of, of shirt. You know what I mean? Yes. Like <laughs> The new sandal has been released. <laughs> With 12 extra straps to go up your shin. The Air like, Aurelius 3s. <laughs> Just incredible stuff. Okay, so then after all of this stuff, Commodus, he decides, decides he just goes against the Senate. He, there's a scene where he walks, the senators are telling him their things that he has to cover, and he pretty much is like, fuck you guys, I do what I want. And uh, and he's like, I'm gonna have 150 do- 50 days of games to commemorate my father's uh, death. We're gonna bring all the gladiators from all across Rome. We're gonna bring them in here. We're gonna have a huge thing, and we're going to make the people love me because the people, even though they're starving, even though they're there's plague and problems around the city, people love to see death. They love to see violence, and this is what I'm gonna give them. I'm gonna give them. And even the senators say, you know. 
He's going to give them death. He's going to give them violence and they're going to love him for it because he's playing right into the crowd. He's like, they will forget all about their problems if they just see a dude getting eaten by a tiger while another dude maces a guy to death, you know? Yeah. Uh, and so Proximo takes his gladiators to Rome to fight in the Colosseum. And in his first fight, uh, Maximus, he right before they go outside, he says, you know, whatever happens, whatever comes out of that door, that we stay together, we work together, and we're going to win. Uh, and so they he debuts in, in the Coliseum as a Carthaginian with this crazy-ass helmet that looks so hard. And then it's a, an exciting reenactment of the Battle of Zarna. Zama, mm -hmm. sorry, Zama. Well, and um, and he unexpectedly leads his side to victory as his his he was playing uh, the people who were to uh, lose the battle, but he using the his knowledge of the military, using kind of military stances, and uh, using everybody's fighting capabilities. It's revealed that Hagen actually fought with him uh, in war and knew who he was the whole time. And they they come together as a as a team to beat these people on chariots. It's a very exciting, thrilling scene. People get cut in half. <laughs> dude, yeah, dude. The scene of the one person where they're just on their knees as the chariots coming, and you just see them just get sliced right in half. That is so hard. Like, yeah, and then just the chariots just busting loose and just falling apart. People getting dragged, like. Dude, there's so much going on in this scene. It is buck wild. Like, it is nuts. Like, it is like watching a Royal Rumble. Yeah, and you sick. mentioned his badass helmet. And I gotta say, yes, one of the hardest looking helmets of all time. So hard, in fact, it inspired MF Doom's mask. Yeah, it's, that, uh, it's sick. Dude, this movie inspired so much. This movie's got... It's inspiring hip hop. It's inspiring whole genres, dude. This movie is fucking. It goes. It's cultural. This movie is culture, this, dog. This is culture. This <laughs> is culture. Um, no. Um, so then, uh, after after uh, kind of surprising the audience and 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 taking the role of leader in the gladiators, and and uh, working together with them as a unit, they take down the uh, uh, their would be um, killers. Uh, and uh, and the uh, Commodus, who during this battle, it's so funny because it cuts to him and he's like acting like a kid. He's like, oh, yeah, he's like making all these faces and stuff like that. He's just having like the greatest time. He's afterwards, Commodus mm -hmm. says, well, who is that guy? Who's the guy who's 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 running them? And they say, well, they call him the Spaniard. Um, and uh, and and so he says, well, I want to meet him. And so they go down onto the uh, the oh the other thing that there's that they say at the start of this is that when you go out into the into the uh, Colosseum and the and then you look at the uh, Caesar and you say for those who are about to die we salute you and you raise your weapon to him and they all do it except for him he just like stares at Commodus and you're like yeah. oh yeah this guy wants to kill. Um, and, and then, then he you, just states it. Yeah, and then you get the wildest line in the movie that I just absolutely love. Yeah. It's like, it's, you just, it makes your blood start to boil. Like, you're just like, I, I feel you, Russell Crowe. I feel you. Um, I'm trying to find the exact uh, line. Uh, 
so I can read the full thing. But he, yeah, I just know so, that's in this in this life or next, I'll have my vengeance or yeah. whatever. So yeah. he, so he goes. He, he, Commodus comes down, and and Maximus won't take off his, uh, uh, his helmet, his helmet, and he's like, "You have to take off your helmet," and um, and and then finally. He he won't, and he turns his back to Commodus, and Commodus says, "You dare turn your back to to the Caesar? Take off your helmet uh, and and speak to me." And he takes off his helmet, and he turns around, and he says, "My," or he says, "What is your name?" And he says, "My name is Maximus Decimus Meridius, commander of the armies of the North, general of the Felix Legions, and loyal servant to the true Emperor Marcus Aurelius." Fathered to a murdered son, husband to a murdered wife, and I will have my vengeance in this life or the next. And you yeah. can see Commodus's face just he, he's like, just like, oh, oh fuck, my it's god! It's like the hardest line reading too. Like you just believe Russell Crowe. Like you're like, oh my god, he is going to jump on him and murder him right now, and and the crowd begins just screaming. Maximus, everyone's losing their mind because it's like, yo, the this guy, it's this, and he, they're going crazy. Back. He's back. He's back. It's like when the Undertaker come when you hear the bell, you know, yes, ding, and then he comes out and gets out of the coffin. Everyone, ah, he's losing their mind. Um, and then so yeah, no, it's like it's like something wild's happening, and then all of a sudden you just hear the glass smash, and then Stone Cold Steve Austin's theme played. Then everyone's like, Baka, Baka, it's yeah. not. It's, it's so cold. God damn. It's it's it's, yeah. it's and then and then uh Commodus who's like just absolutely uh blown over not only by the fact that Maximus is standing in front of him and uh he is also realizes that if he chooses to kill him now he will be viewed as as evil as bad because the crowd loves him. And so he realizes, oh, I can't do, I can't kill him now. So he lets him live. Now, of course, Maximus realizes that they're going to try and kill him. Uh, so he starts having, <laughs> there's a really funny scene where they're all sitting together and they're eating. And, uh, and he's saying how he doesn't trust the food now because because Commodus knows who he, that he, who he is. And then uh, Hagen takes his food and eats it. And then he pretends to be choking and he's like, no, it's fine. <laughs> just gives it back to him. Um, yeah, good stuff. Um, the the next fight, Commodus sets it up uh, so that he has to fight uh, a legendary undefeated gladiator, Tigris or Tigris of Gaul. Uh, this is the dude with the little Wayne mask. Uh, and Commodus uh, also has arranged for several tigers to be set upon Maximus during the duel. Um, but Maximus, yeah, however, he's got trap doors in the arena. Like this is like a straight up boss battle. Like it's yeah. fucking hilarious. Just one after another tight, depending yeah. when, where Maximus goes in the, in the ring, there's just doors opening and tigers coming out. Yeah. Um, and in this trap door, another tiger. <laughs> yeah. And so, but the fight is brutal. It's sick. Uh, they go at each other. The tigers are, are striking at them. And uh, Maximus, he he almost loses, but he prevails by smashing a, a, a blade into the Tigris of Gaul's foot and then beating him in the face over and over again with a shield, uh, causing his face to get all mangled, be, even though he was, like, smashing his helmet. 
I guess he was like smashing his helmet into his face and it Dude. causes him to like pass out and fall backwards. Yeah. And then there's one part where like Yuba, Juba, the, the one guy, he just takes his helmet off and just starts smashing a dude's head in. Like yeah. there are so many skulls and body parts being smashed. Like it is insane dude like this movie like it's not bloody it's not gory but like the amount of violence that takes place is crazy yeah, it's like explosive dude. it's like explosive violence yeah um, and so Commodus orders maximus to kill him by giving him the thumb down instead of thumb up and mm-hmm. uh and maximus refuses he spares his opponent's life out of respect for him and to go against the wishes of Commodus um, and the crowd instead of being upset by this begins chanting Maximus the merciful uh, and has even more love for Maximus Uh, Commodus this obviously pisses him off because it's like nothing he can do is working uh, and people are starting to turn on him he can tell Um, so he goes down and he starts taunting Maximus he says you know uh, that that, uh, his his son uh, whined like a, uh, what does he say, like a sick dog or something when he was when he was crucified, and and his wife moaned uh, like a a. Uh, uh, well, I'm not gonna say that word because I got get in trouble for it. But his wife mo- moaned in pleasure as she was ravaged by many of his soldiers, uh, and Maximus obviously is pissed off, but he he cooler heads prevail and he turns and walks away. He avoids striking the uh, Caesar because he knows that he will be killed instantly if he does so. Then we get to the part where he meets in secret with Lucilla and uh, Gracchus, a senator. They come up with a plan to have Maximus escape Rome, join his legions, and topple Commodus by force uh, and hand the power back to the Roman Senate. Uh, Commodus learns of the plot when Lucilla's son, Lucius, uh, innocently hints at a conspiracy and talks about how much he loves uh, uh, Maximus and Commodus threatens Lucilla and Lucius and uh, he, he threatens to have a snake kill her son while he's sleeping and uh, and he says that that Lucius will now live with him and Lucilla will not be able to look at him wrong or she will be killed or her, no, or her son will be killed if she tries to run away. Commodore will kill his son. Commodus, not Commodore. Commodus will kill his son, uh, kill her son, and that's why he will keep uh, Lucius as close as possible so that uh, Lucilla can't do anything or else uh, he will murder the young boy. Uh, And this is where you really are like, wow. Uh, Oh, yeah, and then he also tells his sister, uh, we're going to have sex. Uh, You're going to enjoy it, which is, like, insane, Um, you know. But he's like, I've always loved you. I think you're... Uh, and uh, you're going to love me the way I love you. And you're going to give me a pure blood son. And, uh, and yeah, he just pretty much goes full freak mode. And uh, that's when you like the, the peak of hating him, in my opinion, at that scene is I was like, this dude is, this dude needs to get hurt. Um, and, uh, and unfortunately uh, the attempt to flee is thwarted by the uh, by a Praetorian guard um, they col- co- uh, collect Gracchus and arrest him. They arrive at the uh, um, gladiator home and uh, they kill Proximo and many of his men uh, who sacrifice themselves to enable Maximus to escape. 
Uh, he goes out to uh, rendezvous with Cicero, one of his, uh, I guess, uh, under uh, underlings from the army. Yeah. Uh, and uh, he is killed. One of his bad boys. Uh, there's a. It was all set up. Uh, they knew where he was going because the uh, 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 Lucilla told uh, Commodus what what was going to happen. Mm. She didn't want her kid to get killed. You can't really blame her, mm. right? Um, and uh, and and uh, Commodus then challenges Maximus to a duel in the Colosseum, um, and uh, and stabs him in the lung before the attack to gain an advantage. He also has his Praetorian guards surround them. Uh, and uh, despite his injuries, Maximus disarms Commodus, um, and uh, and there's beats a, his ass. Beats and beats <laughs> his ass. Commodus then demands a sword from the uh, uh, the other people in the the Praetorian Guard and his mm-hmm. underlings who refuse him. Uh, obviously disgusted by the way he acts and who he is, his uh, the uh, uh, the the uh dues are to be paid that nobody will help him because of mm-hmm. how shysty of a person he is and how horrible yeah. he is um but commodus produces a hidden knife and tries to uh stab maximus who just pretty easily overpowers him and stabs him in his own throat with his knife <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> very hard uh and uh kills him and mm-hmm. um before he succumbs to his wounds, he asks for political reforms and for his gladiator allies to be freed and for Senator Gracchus to be reinstated. And uh, as he is dying, he has a vision where he is reuniting with his wife and son in Elysium in the afterlife. And uh, and Lucilla, who comes, who's they've kind of had a, like a weird romantic thing going on. Uh, she comes down and she says, go be with them. And uh, and he is honored as a soldier of Rome, and uh, carried out of the body and leaving dead Commodus lying in the uh, in the streets. And we find later we close with uh, Juba, who has survived. He did not die in, during the attack. He visits the Colosseum and buries the figurines of Maximus's wife and son on the spot where he died, and he echoes Maximus's words from earlier in the film that they will see each other again. And then he says, but not yet. And he smiles and leaves to reunite with his family and the film ends. Beautiful. Banger. Hot. Man, that actually was just reminded of something. And I hate to bring it back to wrestling again, but there's a storyline in wrestling that I now just realized is like a direct reference to this. So at one point, Triple H led a stable uh, called Evolution, and his underlings were Ric Flair, Randy Orton, and Batista. And one year, Batista won the Royal Rumble, which then granted him a world title shot. Well, Triple H was the uh, world champion at the time, and so they're all celebrating together in the ring, and, you know, whatever. And, or was it Randy Orton? No, it was Randy Orton won the uh, won the Royal Rumble, I think. It, or is Batista? I forget. Doesn't matter who it was. But either way, they're celebrating, and then there's a sh- Triple H, and all the other guys are giving him the thumbs up, and then they switch it to the thumbs down, and then just start beating the shit out of him, <laughs> which is basically more or less like what kind of happens here. Like, 
yeah, there's so many, so many references, like so many like allegories and just like yeah, references that you can make between just this like Coliseum and gladiators and like wrestling and sports as entertainment. Like it's just so so I mean, so, that's what, so much there. That's what the Olympics were too. I mean, back in the day, the Olympics yeah. included gladiator fights and wrestling mm-hmm. and all that stuff. <laughs> but this movie just bangs so hard and it influenced a lot of pop yeah. culture stuff. You know what I mean? Like it, it's just like it just this movie's so hard. Like there is for a long time in the early mid 2000s, this was the highest selling movie on DVD between it was before it, it was the matrix and then it was dethroned by Shrek. So <laughs> how 2000s can it get that the highest three DVDs were the matrix gladiator and Shrek. Turn uh, out what a time to be alive. Yeah, what um, a time. Be alive. Uh, and here's the craziest thing about this movie is the production of this movie was a fucking nightmare. They did not have a script, which, as I mentioned before, Ridley Scott usually has all his shit storyboarded and whatnot. This movie was not the case. They had a 30-page script, and that's all they had. A lot of the dialogue and, you know, just a lot of that was improv or written. Like, Russell Crowe wrote a large majority of his own dialogue for this movie. And just, like, knowing that that it was such a shit show and then seeing the final product, it's like, oh, my God. Like, Oliver Reed died in the middle of filming. The dude was a major alcoholic, was drinking at a bar in Malta, was arm wrestling fucking, uh, like, uh, seamen out there, like, uh, like, Navy guys in Malta arm wrestling him in bar until he died he died in a bar like this dude was wild and then apparently there's a story of joaquin phoenix was apparently like really nervous and skittish and like wasn't wasn't like doing his roles right so apparent before he died oliver reed and russell crowe apparently took him out and just got him shit-faced so that he would eventually just calm the fuck down because like you can't have like even though I guess that would kind of play into Comdis's role because he is kind of a little bitch, but like he needs to be confident in himself. Like he's, he's a confident snively little bitch. Like he's not, you know what I mean? Like what he thinks he's doing is sick is what comment. Like, so they, there's just so many things going wrong in this movie. Like another production thing I read was the beginning forest scene where they're fighting the germanic army they initially they almost lost that forest because uh they were just going to chop that forest down wherever i think they were shooting that in like england and then ridley scott had to go to like the forestry association or whatever i'm just making up a fucking association <laughs> but yeah, for, no, he had for, to, you're right forestry commission he went to the forestry okay. commission and and he was like hey let us shoot here and because we're just going to burn this place down like we're shooting fireballs so we'll just do the job for you and england was like oh okay cool if we don't have to hire a team of like tree cutters and we'll just let this guy with a camera shooting fireballs burn this place up so there's just wild things like reading about the production of this movie i'm like how is there not like more like this movie like reading this this sounds like fucking hearts of darkness like the documentary they made about apocalypse now which was an apocalyptic film set like 
it's crazy that this movie was so good reading about how much shit was going wrong. <laughs> yeah, he uh uh Ridley Scott too is also coming off a string of some pretty non well-received movies like his yeah. last movie was gi jane gi jane was winning razzies and stuff uh white squall uh, i've never seen that one but you know it just it wasn't a big movie and then before that the uh the christopher columbus one which people hated it's visually very nice you know it's very ridley scott but like you know it's just people hate christopher columbus now so yeah there was a lot of uh tension uh due to the script a lot of people rewrite a lot of the uh uh um cast members rewriting stuff things changing on the fly people being brought in to work on different aspects of character relationships and all these things like they were kind of just figuring it out on the on the, like even even russell crowe refused to say in this life or in the next i will have my vengeance which is one of the hardest lines of the movie but he didn't want to say it he thought it was garbage yeah. He wanted to change. Then a bunch I'm of pretty stuff. sure he came up with the "Are you not entertained?" part. So it's like, okay, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, many injuries. Uh, he was uh, 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 he apparently he like hurt his hand and couldn't mm-hmm. feel it for like two years after. Yeah, and he got I was- like he, I think he broke some bones or he like it was. Uh, 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 he nearly got uh, grabbed by one of the tigers. Mm-hmm. Um, he had bruises, uh, lots of little scars, places where he was he was grazed or cut. Um, other characters hurt themselves during the combat scenes. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, you have you have uh, Oliver uh, Oliver Reed, who is just. Just absolutely hammered every yeah. night. He was like drunk on stage, but then they, yeah, they did take uh, Joaquin, who was very nervous to be in the, the, especially imagine how nervous you are. You're in this big movie with these huge actors. Everybody's pissed off because there's no script. Yeah. Uh, you're having all running into all of these problems. And so they're like, oh, we have to go and do all this. But, and also Russell Crowe and Oliver Reed did not get along. They did not like each other. Um, and uh uh the uh yeah there was just a lot of pro like they could make a movie about about the making of this i was actually thinking how yeah. insane it would be if they waited another like couple years and then they did a making of this where they cast russell crowe as ridley scott <laughs> that'd be tight and then they got someone like boyd holbrook or somebody to beef up and be russell crowe <laughs> It'd be crazy. It'd be really meta. That would be so wild. But yeah, that would be. A- I love a good meta. I love a good fucking background of a movie stuff. Like fucking. I don't know if they made it like Shadow of the Vampire or some shit. Like that'd be sick. Yeah. Um. Uh. It was scored by Hans Zimmer. Um, of course. Hans Zimmer does so much really Scott stuff. Like. Oh, Hans, the- Hans Zimmer's a goddamn king. I must say. I'll just say that. I'll, I have a song that I wrote that's dedicated to Hans Zimmer. And I never released it. And I feel like I should just because Hans Zimmer is just such a constant in my life. Like, I'll watch a movie and I'll just be like, that's a Hans Zimmer score. And I don't even have to look it up. Like, I just know. When you hear a Hans Zimmer score, you're just like, that's him. That's him. Just the way he does, like, strings and, like, his melodies are just distinctively him. 100%. 
and also we should say in reality uh Commodus was initially favored when he became there's a lot of historical inaccuracies and they refuse yes. to like fix any of it uh so a lot of the stuff that you see that you see on the screen isn't exactly it's based on kind of loosely on real people but Commodus was actually uh uh poisoned by the mm-hmm. citizens and the senate um but he uh spit out the poison and then he was strangled <laughs> Um, He was really hated. He did a lot Mm -hmm. of uh, um, kind of dramatic acts of megalomania um, and people got really tired of him and he was killed by the people. Um, Some other Maximus himself, like Maximus, the character, he's like an amalgamation of many like Roman soldiers that existed that were beneath Marcus Aurelius. Like the quote I said earlier, I don't even, it's not even like, I don't think the Maximus he's talking about is the Russell Crowe Maximus, but like, that's the thing is that they basically created a character and like, you know, since there are writings by Marcus Aurelius, they could, you know, they knew what, like how his soldiers were and they knew what type of person Marcus Aurelius, like, trusted and the type of people that he loved so like although maximus decimus meridius is not an actual person like he is 100 percent a very accurate portrayal of a well-respected roman soldier like he is a leader 100 percent that would exist at that time so yes uh and uh uh he uh um that in reality the wars the the Marcomannic Wars in 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 Germania were still ongoing when when um, Aurelius died. He died of a uh, of a plague believed either to be smallpox or measles. Um, he Marcus Aurelius had no intention of turning the empire into a republican form of government. Uh, he shared rule of the empire with Commodus for three years be- before his own death, as he was sickly. Commodus then ruled for twelve years before he was strangled in a bath by Narcissus. Um, uh, he is, uh, the, the character of Maximus is uh, kind of a fictional amalgamation of multiple historical figures. Narcissus, the uh, wrestler who killed Commodus in the baths after Commodus uh, threw up the poison that he was uh, given. Um, Spartacus, uh, Cincinnatus, a farmer who was made a uh, dictator and saved Rome from invasion, um, and a trusted general, uh, Marcus Nonius Macrinus, uh, who I think is the person that Marcus Aurelius was writing about when you were talking. I believe about. so in the meditations. Uh, yeah. Yes, I believe it's referring to him. Yeah. Um, and uh, um, yeah, there was a lot of uh, uh, in real life. The death of Commodus didn't result for peace for Rome, nor return to the Roman Republic. It, it ushered in a chaotic, bloody power struggle that culminated in the year of five emperors, AD 1983. Um, they were overjoyed at the news of Commodus dying, but they feared that uh, the Praetorians would not accept the new em- emperor, uh, Pertinax, uh, and that they would rise up against him. There was a lot of stuff that came after it. Um, and just some other like inaccuracies, things that they just didn't, they didn't, uh, uh, um, they just kind of ch- changed to fit the story. Um, yeah. and, and, the, I mean, and it's I'm fine. I'm glad because like, this story, like this movie is so good. Like the way it is, like 
I don't know, like, if you had, like, a scene where Commodus, you know, he got killed, like, behind closed doors in, like, a bathroom, like, that's not a satisfying end to the movie. Being like, oh, he died, no one saw it, no one really gives a shit. But him getting fucking stabbed through the throat in front of everybody, and everybody is cheering for the death of their leader because they hate him so much that just hits 20 times harder like that is and it's and it, a way I, better ending as i said the, the movie is really about the two of them about commodus yeah. and maximus and how they yeah. uh are kind of foils for one another and reflections of one another and and mm-hmm. and so it makes it you know it, it allows it to land kind of like emotionally and just in the kind of hero's journey story and all of all all of the the kind of heroic traits of um of maximus get uh get played out properly against the kind of evil uh, immoral traits of of uh, of commodus um so yeah i mean i think in this case you know where he doesn't say that it's a, that uh it is a real a true story anywhere i don't think um no. And uh, and uh, it is in many ways it's a it's a, a, a fantasy, um, but it 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 still it still goes it works. Um, the I guess we should do the release. Um, uh, they uh, uh, it was uh, released the first teaser tra- teaser trailer in late 1999. Um, uh, People uh, were overwhelmingly positive in their response to the trailers. Um, and uh, they did a lot of uh, test screenings beforehand because of the production, and they wanted to make sure that people would like it. Again, overwhelmingly positive. Uh, they became confident in marketing it with Russell Crowe, despite him being uh, uh, not a household name. He was a, a more unknown uh, yeah, actor at the time like a supporting he was a solid supporting guy at this t- point pretty much but like yeah no so like not not a name that you could sell an entire movie on especially like a huge epic like this yes. so more or less i think it was the content that sold this movie this movie wasn't sold on russell crowe's name it certainly wasn't sold on ridley scott's name because ridley scott didn't have much stock at this time in hollywood so the fact that this movie fucking revitalized Ridley Scott's career, it gave Russell Crowe, boosted him the stardom, made Joaquin Phoenix a household supporting dude for, you know, the next 10 years until he became a superstar himself. Like, yeah, it's uh, also the dude that plays Yuba. Like he's uh, he's in so many movies. Like he's fantastic in fucking Blood Diamond. He's yeah. great in uh, love in a that bunch movie. of. He's in some love Marvel stuff too now. He's in and he's in fucking Shazam and stuff. Like yeah. yeah, all these dudes from this movie are doing big stuff now. So like this movie popped off for everybody, and like like I said, yeah, them doing test screenings like. Usually test screenings I find would be bullshit, but yeah, if you're if the movie was as disastrous as a production as this one, and then you go into test screenings, they're like, oh, you actually got something good. Like the amount of weight off of their shoulders must have been like, uh, must just been alleviating. To yeah, just be like, just, oh, thank God, this and, is and a- it and it did really well. It released and it became the mm-hmm. highest grossing film of the year. Um, it was the third highest opening weekend for any R rated film up to that time. Mm-hmm. Um. It was number one for two weeks. 
uh, and uh, it fell to third place, but it stayed in the top ten um, for uh, what did it say for the following six weeks, um, and uh, it, it was released on on May fifth, and um, it finished its run in October. Uh, this back in this God time damn. movie stayed in the, the movie theater a lot longer. Uh, now we yeah, have so five month run. God yeah. damn. That's, that's nice. That's a little, dude, uh, yeah. Yeah, it did. It did. Uh, 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 the, it was the fifth largest opening in Australia. It uh, uh, did very well in the United Kingdom. It went on to gross 460.6 million worldwide against a budget of 103 million finishing as the second highest grossing film of 2000 behind mission impossible two. Um, uh, yeah, it, it, it was, it was good. As you said, it, it, uh, was only, it dethroned, uh, um, uh, the matrix and, um, something else. What was, what was the other one? Oh, and then Shrek dethroned gladiator. On yeah. DVD for the, for the, the DVD reading. sales. Um, and and it opened to positive reviews cinema score give it an a audience gave the film an a on cine, cinema score the performances and pray and cast were praised crow and phoenix being considered by critics as the main highlight um it was the breakout film uh for crow um joe uh joe morganston for the Wall Street Journal, said Crow doesn't use tricks in his role to court our approval. He earns it the old-fashioned way by being, uh, by daring to be quiet, if not silent, and intensely, implacably strong, implacably strong, um, and that the film rests on Mr. Crow's armored-clad shoulders, and he carries it remarkably well. Uh, people were giving it very good reviews, four stars, you know, high, high level. Um, Gave uh, uh, A minus uh, for Entertainment Re- Weekly. A lot of praise for Scott's directing. Uh, a lot of praise for the action sequence, um, uh, especially the first one. Entertainment Weekly they wrote uh, Scott lets loose his own extraordinary assault. It's a bravura sequence of flaming arrows, flailing failing horses, and Mortal Kombat, and doesn't copy Private Ryan's famous opening tour to Forest of Carnage so much as raises a banner in admiration. It's Scott, the visual artist, at his most deluxe. Um, yeah, absolutely. I would, I would agree. I would agree. Like, yeah, like really, Scott is up there with like Spielberg. Like, I, I, I would make that argument. I, I was thinking about it earlier and you know how I have this, this my theory of Spielberg, how he's only made like two movies and whatnot. Yeah. Like I was also thinking, cause like who else, but like even Tarantino, you know, he's only made like maybe three movies now. He's only made a crime movie, a Western, and then once upon a time in Hollywood. So technically he's only made like three movies. If you really want to break it down in, yeah. by genre, but then like really Scott's just all over the, like, dude, he's just, an absolute king like he made this movie from a 30 page script and this movie won best picture at the fucking yeah. oscars except he didn't like, get best director which is a real no. shame 
No, Steven Soderbergh did for Traffic that year, which let's be faced. Let's like I was looking, look, look, look at the movies from this Academy Award season. Gladiator, Aaron Brockovich. No one watches that shit. Almost Famous and Almost Famous is basically cringy at this point. Billy Elliot. No one watches that. Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Oh, that's okay, a banger. That movie that's a banger. that slaps. Yeah, that that slaps. Okay, and Traffic. Traffic's a decent movie, but people, no one, no one talks about Traffic. Gladiator no. is the movie. From the year 2000. If you're going to watch one movie from that year, it's going to be Gladiator. Dude. Yeah, I, 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 he, sh- he should have won. He still hasn't won. Like, he still hasn't no, won it's, a shame. It's, it's it's a shame. And it's I doubt he will. Like, he's, the, 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 they're going to give him a retrospective award probably yeah, like next big, year or the year a, after. And it's going to be, people are just going to be like, fuck you. Like, how? Like, yeah. I don't know. Like, with this, Black Hawk Down, dude, like, he should have won for that shit. Yeah. Blade Runner, but critics are dumb as fuck and hated Blade Runner when it came out. Well, guess what? Now it's the most influential movie of like all time. It's almost like, it's almost like you should look at something, take a step back and look at something. Uh, like I, I find I, one of my problems is that I feel like if you're a critic of a film and you're going to write a critique of it, you should watch a movie mm-hmm. and then you should watch it again like a week later. Yeah, and like that—that that you shouldn't just go on your initial feelings watching it, uh, because you miss a lot. Like it's really hard to get every aspect of a film in the first time you watch it. I mean, I remember mm-hmm. speaking of another Ridley Scott film, Prometheus, watching it the first time, uh, and then watching it again a second time, and even watching it like last year, I was like, oh, there's so many small things that I missed in this that just make yeah. it better because there's yeah. so much going on in this movie that it's like. I totally didn't realize what was the bigger themes or the things that they were talking about. And and you miss these things because you can't take in all aspects of a film at once. Like, I think you should watch a film for entertainment and then watch it with a critical eye and then watch it for cinematic practices. And then you can say, okay, I've watched the film three times, three different ways. Here's my opinion on it. Because unfortunately, Roger Ebert, he gave this film a two-star review. He didn't like it at all. Thumbs down from him. Yeah. Uh, he, he, he said uh, uh, it is muddy, fuzzy, and indistinct. Uh, uh, he also said that he derided the writing, saying it employs depression as a substitute for personality and mm-hmm. believes that if characters are bitter and morose enough, we won't notice how dull they are. Bad look. Bad take. Sorry, Raj. Yeah, get, get bent, bud. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, yeah, that's a uh, yeah. I think this movie now is like it's universally beloved. Like this movie is a certified what I would call a dad classic. Like <laughs> if you're chilling in your sweatpants on a couch on a Sunday and you're scrolling through channels and you see Gladiator, regardless of what scene it is you're going to watch it until the credits roll. It's just one of those movies that yeah. like pick. So it's a rewatchable. Just, it's, 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 it's just, it's, it's so good. A certified dad classic. And just with yeah. the bombs in the background, that'd be great. Mm. Oh. Yeah. Certified dad classic. Nice. You are now watching a certified dad banger. CDB. Crack the Bud Lights. <laughs> Get your favorite chips and dip. Prepare Gladiator to watch. Yeah. Bud. <laughs> pre- pre- 
put the wings in the oven. Russell Crowe is about to murder, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, great, great, uh, great film. It was nominated for 12 nominations, the most of any film that year. Um, uh, uh, the, uh, the music was, was done by Hans Zimmer, but also worked with, uh, Lisa Gerard on it. And unfortunately, uh, due to Academy rules, only Hans Zimmer was officially nominated for best original score. Uh, there's some more stuff to talk about the score of the film. Um, that, uh, it was composed by Hans Zimmer and Lisa Gerard and conducted by Gavin Greenway. Um, the, uh, uh, um, there is some parts that are kind of uh uh yeah, isn't use... there like something like he like repurposed like some music from yeah. somebody else something like that so there's some controversy about like plagiarism and stuff yeah. let's just be serious when you write three music scores a year you know what a melody or two might be from somewhere else i don't think he went out i don't think like hans zimmer look how many fucking music movie scores he's done okay Okay, you can't fucking bat a hundred all the time, dog. Like, but he's so close. Like, I don't know, and especially that's a thing in classical music as well. Uh, is that composers will rework different people's stuff, and like you know, it could, and a lot of times that was seen as flattering amongst composers. But I guess there's been a shift recently of people being like, oh, I owned, I own those four notes, and it's just like, okay, like whatever i guess like i don't know if you're ripping off an entire song yeah i get that but if you like steal like a five second section i don't know i don't care I, I, maybe i'm saying that as a person that samples and you know i have different views on it but like i as a person that comes from a sampling background in music like i don't know i i, I can't really hate i guess is what i'm saying yeah um the uh hey, that was that was a total aside. <laughs> yeah, that's all good. That's what we're here for. Um, uh, yeah, and so obviously this film had a great cultural influence. It revived um, uh, kind of the sword and sandals genre, um, and Gladiator kind of uh, uh, sh- shift uh, a focus to the ancient history. Um, you know, there there were successive films like Dances with Wolves and Schindler's List and Braveheart and Titanic and Saving Private Ryan, but those are the the historical uh sword and sandal type genre uh had fallen out of public popularity uh, a long time ago, like it was in the 1960s, and you didn't get a lot of them. But um uh epic genre films that are historically based saw a huge swell in the 2000s. The Last Samurai, Troy, The Alamo, King Arthur, Alexander, 300, uh, Kingdom of Heaven, Robin Hood, last of which were also uh, um, directed by Scott. Um, The uh, Gladiator Arena set piece from Star Wars Episode um, uh, 2 is being compared to the arena setting for the film. Um, Yeah, we just saw, you just saw it, it it also... uh, um, increased interest in Roman and classical history in the United States. Um, Mm -hmm. You saw uh, a lot of these uh, sales of these books, the meditations by Marcus Aurelius, uh, Cicero, the life and times of Rome's greatest politician. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, they, they, according, this is being dubbed as the gladiator effect that after this came out, more people were interested in, in it. Um, 
The uh, first time I watched this movie was for research for a paper for world history on like Romans. Like I watched this. I the DVD copy I have to this day is actually my buddy M- Mike Lazes. Shout out Mike Lays. Hope you're doing good out there. It's his. I took it in grade 11. Never gave it back. So thank you for that, Mike, because I've watched this movie so many goddamn times. And like, yeah, this movie, I would credit it as being one of the movies that got me in. Because when I was in high school, dude, I thought like I 100% thought I was going to go to like I did go to university to study history. And like I was trying to get into like classics and like Greek and Roman. But then in university. Oh, just the most boring classes (laughs) ever. Oh, like I've a professor killed one of my biggest interests and it was disheartening. But then I found film. So here we are now. Yeah. So here we are now. (laughs) Um, uh, Jack Gleason, who performed or who performed as Joffrey Baratheon in Game of Thrones, um, mm-hmm. stated multiple times that uh, he based Joffrey on, on Phoenix's performance as Commodus, uh, as we've said. See, I he, didn't even know that, and I told Pear that today. I was like, I guarantee you Commodus was the inspiration for Joffrey. And she's yeah. like, actually, it was. And yeah. I was like, I knew it. I didn't even know that, and I knew it. Like, <laughs> it's I, I, I didn't even have to look. <laughs> yeah, exactly, um, dude. The, just uh, yeah, MF Doom's mask. Uh, he had bought a replica after the film's success and wore it. Rest in peace, Doom. All caps, always. Mm. All um, caps. Several of the scenes and dialogue have become many internet me- memes. Uh, Are you not entertained? Was one of the earliest memes that I can remember. Um, uh, Maximus was also featured in 2009 on a 55 cent Australian Legends post- postage stamp series. Um, nice. Russell Crowe attended the ceremony to mark the creation of the st- stamps. Um, uh, member, several members of the cast and crew have commented on the impact the film has had on their careers and its cultural legacy. Uh, in a 2020 interview with Yahoo, uh, Moeller, uh, who was, I believe, was Hagen. Is that who? I, be- I believe, yes. Yes. Uh, he he uh, uh, remarked that many people have come up to him and recognize him. For his, oh yeah, for his performance as Hagen, Scott considers the film one of the, uh, one of the top three favorites of his own films that he's directed. And uh, Crow noted that the quality of film has helped find new fans twenty years on after on television after its release, being played on HBO and uh, AMC and such. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the, it's just uh, uh, it's considered to be one of the greatest action films ever made one of the greatest yeah. historical epics ever made and one of the greatest films of of both the 2000s and the 21st century it's mm-hmm. kind of funny because it seems like every decade has one of those movies that comes out in the first year of that decade that kind of just just nails it nails it and yeah. this film and also we didn't even talk about the incorporation of CGI to make the coliseum look right. bigger because uh, that's the thing you the... wouldn't even know it was cgi dude well there's one there's one scene I, there's the one shot where because there's too many birds and that's what gives it away it's but, way too many birds <laughs> yeah um uh on rotten tomatoes is a uh, approval rating of 79 um uh on metacritic 67 out of 100 this is what kind of garbage reviews of that this movie's no, no. Metacritic's it, probably just some dumbasses going on review bombing it no this movie 
I haven't met a single person that doesn't like Gladiator. And if you reveal yourself to me, you better turn away and walk <laughs> fast. Because you will have your revenge in this life yeah. or the next. <laughs> um yeah, so and and I guess there has been a lot of talk about a sequel. Um, they have. Been... I do know, uh, Russell Crowe, good friends with uh, Nick Cave, another Australian and also film composer and genius. Nick Cave's awesome. Shout out Nick Cave. He, uh, Russell Crowe made him write a sequel, which is apparently the most bonkers thing because it's about like Maximus in the like afterlife, and then he like becomes like a time traveling. Fucking glad it's fucked up. It's it's yeah. insane. Um, it's, it's yes, an he would become like a tribe time traveling hero, and eventually he would go to hell and fight Satan or something. Like it yeah, was wild. It's, it's it's bonkers. It's Nick Cave at his most just yeah bleak Nick Cavis. <laughs> Originally, it was supposed to be kind of like a, a Godfather type sequel, where it would be a, both a prequel and a sequel at the same time, where mm-hmm. part of the film would focus on on after. And part of it would be kind of uh, 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 Maximus's time in the army and rising up to power and being tutored by Marcus Aurelius. And there, I remember reading one time that there was something like Maximus had a manifesto that would go to Lucius and it would follow mm-hmm. his, you know. And then later, as people got older, uh, and well, they just they announced in December two thousand two that the film's plot was going to. Uh, include prequel events regarding the parentage of Lucius as well as uh, sequel events. Oh yeah, then that change that he was going Maximus was going to be resurrected. That was another one. Um, there was like a bunch of different things that that came about, and um, and then there was a script about a secret son of Maximus who is actually Lucius. That Lucius is actually Maximus's son, and that's why Lucilla and him have that weird romance relationship. Um, mm-hmm. And over the years, it's just yeah. it's just continued to be uh, uh, worked on by various people. We have the Nick Cave uh, uh, sequel that was under the working title of Christ Killer, um, yeah, uh, where he was Maximus was in purgatory and resurrected and blah blah blah, and he had to stop the momentum of Christianity yeah. by apparently Jesus. that script is somewhere online, like it exists on the internet somewhere. So if somebody tracks it down, please send it my way because I would love to read it because it sounds fucking bonkers. Yeah, and then and then then it came in 2018 and announced that Paramount was officially greenlighting the development of a sequel. Scott was in early negotiations once again to serve as director with a script written by Peter Craig. Scott will additionally serve as producer alongside Doug Wick, Larry Fisher, Walter Parks, and Laurie McDonald. The project will be a joint venture between Paramount, Scott Free Productions, and Parks McDonald Productions with Universal as a co-financing partner. Uh, in 2009 in June, producers stated we, we wouldn't touch it unless we felt it, uh, felt in a way to do, sorry, we wouldn't touch we wouldn't touch unless we felt in a way to do it was legitimate. Um, they revered that they revealed that the current script takes place 25 to 30 years after the film and the plot was, will center around Lucius. And then in 2021, while Chris Hemsworth was working with Russell Crowe in Thor Loving Thunder, he approached him with a proposal to become involved with the project with intention to co-produce the film. Uh, while working together on Thor Love and Thunder, uh, they shared ideas for the film. And in September of last year, Scott stated that the script was once again being worked on with his, 
his intention being to direct the sequel upon completion of his current project, Napoleon. So I think we will get a sequel to this, and I think we will probably get it in a year or two. Um, I would guess probably two years. Yeah, Um, because, I mean, Napoleon will probably be out within the next couple of months. Because, like, dude... Really, sure Scott moves in silence. Yeah. He moves. He's making moves, dude. So like he constantly it's, has so many movies on the go. Like I said, look up the Wikipedia page of his unrealized projects. There's a hundred movies on there. Yes. It's bonkers. And uh, and um, the uh, and then and Napoleon's an Apple Plus movie. So once it's mm-hmm. kind of out of his hands, he can start working on. Uh, this sequel to Gladiator, which will be interesting to see many years down the line. I wonder what it will, what it will be. Um, but and one thing I is, like hearing Chris Hemsworth is involved because seeing him in the fucking sword and sandal movie would be pretty tight. That dude looks yeah. like a gladiator. I, I so. would hope. I would hope that he, even though he has recently found out that he is uh, at high risk for Alzheimer's and dementia, and he's stepping away from acting, I would hope that he would come and be involved in this in one way. Yeah. He found oh, out. Oh shit! Really? Yeah, he found out uh, uh, during uh, the filming of the, his uh, docu series for Disney Plus uh, that uh, he did with what was the docu? He did it. It's with some crazy. Um, uh, it, it's some crazy uh, uh, limitless National Geographic do- uh, documentary. Okay, he revealed yeah, yeah. That he had um, his grandfather suffers from Alzheimer's. And then he did like a genetic test and it was revealed that he has inherited two copies of the APOE4 gene, one from his mother, Ah. one from his father, which makes it eight to 10 times likelier for him to eventually develop Alzheimer's disease than the general population. Uh, So he's taking a break from acting to spend more time with his family while his kids are young. Um, Well, fuck, that sucks because I love Chris. He's just seems like a fucking chill dude. Seems like an absolute top top bloke yeah and so, uh goddamn i i wish the best for him and i hope you know he uh comes out you know on top and i because i would love to see him in movies i would love to see him in a gladiator sequel he would be perfect in a role in gladiator 2 whatever they want to call it um i i will say that he does have two more films coming the sequel to extraction which was a really fun uh, Netflix action film if you haven't seen it. Also, if you want to watch Chris Hemsworth fight a bunch of teenagers. <laughs> it's, it's a crazy fight where he just beats up a bunch of teenagers. It's wild. Um, nice. I mean, they're trying to kill him, so, like, he has reason, yeah. but he he just okay. beats the shit out of a bunch of kids. I mean, I'm all uh, for just beating up teenagers for a little for no reason, so. And cool. also, he is in <clears throat> the upcoming Furiosa prequel, to Mad Max Fury oh, sure, Road, yeah. and he is playing a young Immortan Joe. Hell yeah. So that's, that's. I don't know why we're talking about Chris Hemsworth. Shout out Chris Hemsworth. I hope that you uh, take some time off. I would love you to be involved in the sequel of Gladiator. Let's bring it back to Gladiator. Uh, yeah, not much else to say about this movie. It's a banger. It's fun to watch. It's got huge um, action sequences and set pieces. It's Ridley Scott just firing it all on all cylinders. Russell Crowe at the peak of his powers, um, and really, and Joaquin Phoenix going going, uh, you know, just stupid absolutely evil. stupid. Like he's just like a, a rotten, a rotten man. Um, mm. And and it's a story of revenge. It's a story of uh, of of um, 
violence as a spectacle, a lot about mas- masculinity and stoicism, um, and uh, and but it's still it's never heavy handed about it. I guess except for the uh, "Are you not entertained?" scene, that's pretty much like um, you know we're we're hitting the nail on the head there. But uh, yeah. it's it's the it's not I guess heavy enough that it makes the film feel over over like oh it doesn't it's not overbearing it's it doesn't felt like it's weighed down by the themes and uh and it's just a it's yeah probably the best film from 2000 uh uh, as far as like an entertainment and like just filmmaking is concerned the fact that they managed to make what they did out of the production that they had which was like we've skimmed through it but you can really go deep dive and learn about what the production was like and you will like your brain will will explode to think of how like figuring out how they managed to make this happen like oliver reed dying and he, they yeah. still hadn't shot his like ultimate scenes the original story was that um he was supposed to betray uh maximus and then he was supposed to fight maximus before maximus fights commodus and maximus would have had to kill him and so that was like the that was the original story that they had and then uh and then they had to change it which in many ways i actually think the new ending although it's it's one of the weaker parts of cgi in the film and it's it's kind of weird because they had to like reshoot with a body double and Mm -hmm. they had to like use a shot from an earlier scene that they didn't they didn't use in the film and it was just kind of it's you can tell it's kind of like oh why is all of a sudden proximo being stabbed to death um but he i think it's a fitting end for him because marcus aurelius freed him and he frees or attempts to free maximus and stand on the right side of things for once i think it it actually is a, a nice send-off for uh mr reed who 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 passed away instead of his last role being a guy who who couldn't get out of his own way and dies by the hand of his the gladiator he becomes kind of a mentor and a and a character with like a redemption. So I'm a sucker for a good redemption. Um I do. speaking Same. of someone who's unredeemable. Oh yes. <laughs> uh yes. I wanted to take a quick minute here to um well let's let's say Gladiator, it rules, right? Yes. Classic. Classic. Yep. Go watch Classic. it. It was watch great. It. it was great to watch it. I was I'm glad that we picked it. And uh yeah, just fantastic film. Mm-hmm. Um so I wanted to talk a little bit about, uh, and I'm going to keep this brief because I there I I don't want to talk about it very uh, very much, um, mm-hmm. but I've noticed uh, this week we had uh, you know the artist formerly known as Kanye West uh, now goes by Ye uh, go on Alex Jones's uh, um, Infowars Info show and uh, proclaim his. Uh, his love ad- of Nazis. His, yeah, his admiration uh, towards Adolf Hitler and his love for Nazis. He even said that he is a Nazi and um, that the Holocaust never happened. And um, yeah, I we don't stand for that shit here. Um, yeah, that's we're uh, the, no too many podcasters and people in the culture of hip hop or pop culture. Um, there are plenty of people who are kind of like personally taking a stand, but there's some podcasts that I listen to where they've kind of just brushed it off as like, Oh, it's Kanye being mentally unwell or it's this, it's that, uh, you got to call a spade a spade. Sometimes that's just straight up 
blatant racism uh and yeah he's and saying anti-semitic like, he literally said the holocaust didn't happen and alex jones had to correct him alex he, jones yeah. was the voice of reason yeah the guy who who to said that all those kids didn't get killed and went to yeah court for the man the who's just been sued for billions f- of dollars yeah. for fucking inciting violence against children and their families who were murdered in a massacre a man who thinks hillary clinton is a <laughs> fucking lizard who hey i'll i'll give him that i'll i'll i'll, I'll go I'll, I'll meet him halfway on the lizard but <laughs> but um, yeah i mean to <laughs> Yeah. Dude, for him to laugh and be like, I disagree with you on that, yay, is fucking crazy. Fuck um, Kanye. Fuck him to the death. I hope he let's, I don't let's, care. Let's, I, let's I, not, no, we don't no, we don't want no, to no. we don't want to he, the Holocaust didn't exist. So if he's gonna disrespect the millions of people, fuck him. Fuck yes. him. Fuck his yes. music. I him on spotify unliked all of shit and if yeah if you're gonna be like yeah but this guy this is the guy that gave us graduation and my twisted dark fan fuck you guess what go find a different fucking album there's better albums suck my dick fuck off that's it <laughs> um i guess the the way that i was gonna put that in a bit nicer way is sorry, that i feel sorry. like no no we it's a very we're very heated about it and we both agree that like i've removed his music from my uh, for my library and I will no longer be supporting him. We will no longer be talking about him. This is the last time that we're going to mention anything about the, about him. And please um, hold us accountable to it. If yeah. we mention Kanye again, please say, Hey, I thought you were fucking done with fucking but, him and get, we will be. Yeah. I guarantee and, you. and I, I don't, I don't think that, uh, I think that there's a line that you cross that you can, you know, your mental health isn't your choice, but it's your responsibility. Your platform is your responsibility. Um, and to go and say those things is in a public place uh, to to compare yourself and, and give your ad- admiration to Nazism and Hitler and what happened, deny the Holocaust. It's, it's time for Kanye to go away um, for good. Uh, and uh, and we will not be supporting him or speaking about him because we at Bird Protocol do not uh, and will not allow that to 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 pass by. We're not gonna. No. It's it's we we. There's no pass that can be given to him yeah. that that is accept. It, it's just unacceptable. It's. I'm trying to find Look, a nice way to put this, but it's just it's absolutely fucking unacceptable. I know you are. And, <laughs> or uh you know you are much better with words than i am but like i don't i don't want him to i mean i don't want to uh uh, uh to suggest violence or self-harm or anything like that but like i would like him to to be gone from existence and and not be around not be speaking uh not be saying things he needs to go away somewhere with his money and and be silent uh, he needs to be. He needs to get back on his medication. He needs to be penalized for what he said uh, monetarily from people le- no longer listening to his music, no longer supporting his endeavors. Um, and if you're online being like trying to uh, defend him or argue, like dude, dude, take a hard look at where you're at right now and what's going on, 
and and what you're saying yeah. because you are also just in as much of an embarrassment. Yeah, like you'll when you look around, you'll see it's only you and a couple other guys in khaki pants and fucking polo shirts with fucking tiki torches. That's who you're siding with at this point. Yeah. It's, so fuck you. Yeah. There's no. There's no. No. Not, yeah. It's just unacceptable. Yeah. There's no way. It's gonna be weird when it. you go to the next Kanye show and you have to fucking do a salute to get in and fucking prove your fucking blood type. Like, hmm, no, yeah, no, 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 it, you no not about it. As mm, somebody no. who's been, uh, mm. has traveled to um, concentration camps in in France and Germany yeah. and being in the rooms and seeing the gas chambers and sat in silence and ate my lunch uh, with everybody I was there with because we were so overwhelmed by the pain and just horrific truth of it. Uh, to go on a platform and uh, to someone who I who I admire as an artist, uh, maybe not so much recently, but in my teenage years, um, to go on and say that someone who championed the fight against racism and 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 you know it it just it's so mind boggling, but at a certain point you have to call a spade a spade, and there's a line that you can't cross and he has crossed that line so uh i don't wish him well yeah. and i hope no. that he suffers the the uh uh he reaps what he sows he suffers the punishment for what he's done and i hope he goes away and is and 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 we will not talk about him anymore and uh, i hope point, kim enjoys full custody yeah at this point she's about to get it <laughs> yeah unfortunately at this point it's well not even unfortunately it's just is at this point fuck kanye west and that's the last thing we're gonna say about it so yep uh yeah that's that. we, we just wanted to ad address that i i felt i needed to address that because not enough people are publicly ad addressing it they're not they're, everybody seems to be coming up with reasons to kind of yada 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 it like you know yeah you know not, the maga mental on mental health shit like oh being like oh he's mentally unwell that's why he's wearing the maga hat it's like okay yeah cool that's kind of funny but like look 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 exactly where this has led yeah. the man is now a nazi sympathizer no 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 literal self has oh yes yeah, sorry sorry he, he is has proclaimed nazi. he is not yeah. yeah so so fuck that guy that's like, fuck, <laughs> that's fucking bonkers it's on site it's on site so uh so you know it was great all those years with his uh with his music and uh i can usually uh, separate art from artists to a certain degree yeah, but now but now you thanks for putting it. me on the kid cuddy i guess that's yeah. all enjoy kid cuddy and if you happen to pop up on a kid cuddy song i will skip it because fuck you uh it just even just think about like look at kid cuddy he's making um um musicals about falling in love in new york and then look at where he, he who will not be named anymore uh, is at on alex jones proclaiming how much he likes adolf hitler what yeah. an insane timeline but you know what as funny and weird and insane as it is as i said there's a line and i we just yeah. do not condone anything and he crossed it he crossed, he cr he crossed it last crossed night it. and yeah it's boom. done <laughs> there yeah done. <laughs> and i hope that i see other people uh standing up for um what's right and and doing the same thing and if not just know you know we we are a clown you're a clown for it man like it, there's nothing you can say or do to defend even if you say you can separate the art from the artist like i can do that pretty well but there's a line and 
Yeah. Denying the horrific, horrible, horrible things that happened beyond like imaginable horrors that were done under the Nazis and under Hitler and, and denying that the Holocaust ever happened is like, you're scum, you're, you're garbage, man. So that's it. And, uh, and that's, that's it. So, you know, bye. See ya. Never. (laughs) Um, and, uh, aside from that, uh, are there any, uh, uh, anything we want to talk about music wise or, uh, Oh, I don't know. I think we've gone long now. Yeah. Uh, Cause we're coming in on what, two hours now. So, yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, we'll call a spade a spade, uh, uh, in a good way. This was a yeah. great episode and, uh, Absolutely. And it was wonderful to, uh, rewatch this movie and, uh, and, um, and it was, uh, you know, I feel important to cover the last stuff that we did, at least for us to stand on our principles as Maximus would do. Uh, and, uh, uh hell yeah, dude. Hell yeah. Yeah. I did. I didn't even make, yeah, no, we're fucking, we're strong Roman soldiers. Fuck Kanye. Stan, fuck Commodus. Yeah. <laughs> fuck Kanye. Fuck Commodus. No, uh, Joaquin Phoenix did a great job. Just his yeah, character yeah. is so hateable. Um, yes, exactly. Uh, He's anyway. a character. And that's the thing. It's a character <laughs> yeah. and it's entertainment. What Kanye West did is not a character and it's not entertainment. Yeah. It, he truly believes what he said and you cannot endorse that. Uh, yeah. Anyway. It's, it's, uh, yeah, it's, no. we, we live in a society Joker meme. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, we're going to stand on our principles here and, uh, and, um, and I hope that if you haven't seen gladiator in a long time or, uh, you haven't seen it, you will watch it, especially if you're a fan of, uh, sword and sandal or action films. It is one of the greatest action films of the two thousands. If not, maybe the greatest, I don't know. I would have to look at a list of things that came out, but it's highly yeah. rewatchable, super entertaining, super fun and uh really good shit. So shout out Ridley Scott, shout out, shout out mm-hmm. the cast and crew. We're going to be back next week with, I don't know what, but we are getting close to the end of the year. So we will have a, um, holiday pick and we will have the bird report coming out at the end of the month. Uh, and then we'll be going into 2023 and uh, we'll have, uh, we're going to try and do some more kind of centered series. Uh, we're going to explore some more directors. Um, we're going to maybe do some series centered on game development studios or, uh, or other game franchises that we haven't uh, talked about yet. And, uh, and, and, talk about some more, you know, good, great artists, musical artists. Maybe we'll do, you know, I don't know. We're just going to try and spice it up, change it up. A lot of people really enjoyed, uh, our born trilogy and, uh, and some of the kind of the Japanese, uh, cinema month and, and, uh, the Halloween, uh, kind of spooky season, um, series so we'll try to do a couple more series but we'll also try and hit some more niche interesting stuff that we like uh because those episodes seem to do really well when we talk about things that only uh a few people like i don't know why they keep doing so well our disco elysium episode is going crazy right now i don't know if it's because people are just finding that game and we're one of the only people who talked about it or or what it is but we're gonna do some more stuff like that uh and 2023 we'll just keep growing and Keep going and, and still fuck Kanye West. All right. Absolutely. <laughs> um, remember to initiate <laughs> the protocol. We'll see you next week. We'll do another something fun next week before we get into our holiday stuff. And uh yeah, have a good uh have a good week, everyone. Peace. All right. Peace out.